You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness means a little bit of knowledge. That was for everyone. We we got a lot to get to today, apparently. (laughs) That was for everyone who listens to our show at 1.5 or two times just to see if it was like chipmunks when they listened to it today. So shout out to all of you who listen to this show very, very fast. I edit very fast. You do edit very fast. And then I slow it back down. But sometimes Mm. I'll leave it at 99% just to give us a hint more energy. That was Ken. I'm Neil. Jeff, you're here too. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Thanks, Neil. Yeah, Matt, how are you? You were just on a, a long trip, uh, Oregon Trail. How are you? Yeah, I wish I could do that trip at two times speed. But you can't, <laughs> <Yeah>. unfortunately. <laughs> no fast two times travel this where I'm at. Were you on the Oregon Trail? On the Oregon Trail? you have dysentery? To, to New Jersey? <laughs> well, <laughs> I can get dysentery in New Jersey just by eating at any of the pizza places. <laughs> <laughs> we love New Jersey, though. I don't mean that. Shout out to Paul McLaughlin, all our other friends, Andrew Buxbaum, New Jersey. We, we know you don't get dysentery, <laughs> but maybe something else in the water. I don't know. But Scarlet uh, Fever. Scarlet Fever. There you go. Uh, game over. Actually, water uh, cholera is probably the better choice. <laughs> Swamp water. Uh, well, uh, we have a, a very special game um, for you today. I hosted. I haven't hosted in a really long time. So uh, get ready to sit back, throw your feet up, and listen to long <laughs> questions. Fall asleep during the questions. <laughs> with long clues. That but... explains where all this big host energy is coming from. That's true. Well, I will say, though, that uh, I never get appreciation for my long questions with all the clues, except for today's guest, uh, who specifically requested I write the game, which makes me feel good so i can hold my head up high today uh when i when i lay my head down to sleep i will not be trying like normal i will go to sleep soundly <laughs> uh but uh, well, let's introduce her uh so excited to have uh just a wonderful patron supporter here with us today from albuquerque new mexico megan hickman how are you I'm well, thank you, and it's an honor to be here. And yes, I chose you because I believe that your questions are the ones I have the most likelihood of not looking like an idiot trying to answer. So, always <laughs> a movie hint. Oh uh, well, thank you. And the reason I write them that way is because I don't like looking like an idiot when I play. So I try to give as many hints as I can, so everyone feels welcome and involved. But uh, we're so happy to welcome you into our studio today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, we're just excited to have you. Um, I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. This is my first time recording a podcast episode, and hopefully my nerves will diminish over the course of the episode. Um, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania originally, but I currently live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I work for a health insurance technology company, and um, 
I work from home. I have two small dogs that I love with my whole heart. Uh, their names are Peanut and Eliza. And yeah, that's I could talk about me for days, which sounds terrible. Please edit that out. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Peanut and Eliza were the uh, Skylar sisters, right? They were. So Peanut, Eliza, and Betty. Actually, Nobody wanted to marry Peanut. <laughs> we're looking to adopt a dog, dog named Maggie, and I'm trying to convince my husband to call her Peggy because they sound nice. similar, and then we would at least have Eliza and Peggy. So <laughs> there you go. And then you can, you can sing the songs and then they'll come, you know, come eat dinner or whatever. And it'll, you can, you know, do the Pavlov except, response. Except for exactly. the, uh, and Peggy, it's and peanut. Yes. And peanut, yeah. <laughs> um, well, we are super excited for this game. Um, and Megan, you chose to partner with Matt today. Is that right? That is correct. I need assistance on the sports front at a minimum. So Matt's my go-to for that. So you will be partnering with Matt today, as you said, and I think you could both came up with the team name. Uh, we both did, um, mostly Megan. I, I agreed with it, though. It's a good one. It's, about, it's got some sports. It's got some stuff in it. Some Pittsburgh yeah. location information. Well, what, what did we go with? We went with Clemente's Bridge for the Roberto mm. Clemente Bridge in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yep, and uh, Clemente is a yoga enthusiast. He's got a great bridge pose, but he's also got a great downward dog, so we're going to go with Clemente's Downward Dog. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's let's throw it to the to the rules, and uh, we'll get to this game. The rules of the game are simple: twenty questions split into two rounds, worth ten points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated, and will have a chance to wager zero to thirty points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. The cream was at the top. Oh yeah! All right, I think it was a pretty good rules accent. I think it was a half Pittsburgh, half Albuquerque accent. It was quite impressive, uh, actually. Yeah. So if you if it's your stamp of approval, then I think we're good. Um, well, if you if you were ready to play, um, let's just start with question one then. Located in the middle of a dodecagonal configuration of radiating avenues. What recognizable monument features a sculpture interpreted as commemorating the Peace of 1815 and received little fallout from an Ethan Hunt motorcycle drive-by? Ken and I will lock in an answer. All right. They are locked in with an answer. We are not, I imagine. <laughs> We're looking for a monument, correct? What do you know about monuments? Well, I was thinking about the Washington Square monument. Dodec is 12? Mm -hmm. Correct. Um, so, but I mean, I don't remember Ethan Hunt being in New York City, so now I'm wondering if it's in Prague. I don't know where Ethan Hunt's been. I haven't <laughs> kept up with him. Uh, He's been everywhere. So, yeah, that doesn't help me out very much. Um, Is there most, one in Langley by you, Matt? <laughs> most of this doesn't help me out very much. Um, there's a lot of monuments where I live. I've probably seen none of them so far. Uh, I did see the bell still cracked, in case you guys were wondering. Can you um, think of I anything that's big and tall with 12 like roads coming out of it? I mean, the Washington Monument, but I don't know if that's 12 roads coming out of it. You know what? Some roads. Let's call, let's go Washington Monument for your home oh, hometown. Yeah. <laughs> my, my fifth hometown. So, I thought that um I know all the streets in Petty uh converge at a certain famous monument. Uh, um so we we locked in with the Arc de Triomphe. And uh, Jeff, you are correct. It is the Arc de Triumph. 
Uh, it is uh, in Paris, as you said. And the clue I gave there, so little fallout from an Ethan Hunt motorcycle drive-by. So in uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, Ethan Hunt rides his motorcycle around the Arc de Triumph, if that will help you if you're a movie fan. On to question number two. We're going to go into the uh, new world of sports. Featuring teams like the New York Subliners, Optic Texas, and London Royal Ravens, the CDL is a professional franchise-based esports league that revolves around what Guinness World Record-holding, best-selling Activision franchise? Yeah, we're locked in. Hmm, those are pretty cool team names. Um, Do you have any idea what this could possibly be, Megan? Well, CDL just made me think of Call of Duty. Um, I don't know what, or Fortnite, those are the two. Can you play Fortnite professionally? Oh, yeah, I think so. Most people, I think they just make money. If you're under 14. (laughs) (laughs) I think Ninja is like a millionaire playing that game exclusively. Um, But I I think Call of Duty is an Activision game. um, And I know that people have been playing that forever. So it would make sense that there'd be like a professional league of it. Um, So if you're good, I'm good with locking in with Call of Duty. Sure. I didn't know if you had any other thoughts. So No, that one sounds like the best thought. So we're going to go with (laughs) Call of Duty. We also went with uh, Call of Duty. Shout out to our friend Kevin, uh, who loves watching the Call of Duty League. Uh, that is correct answer. And I was just watching a match with them the other day, and there was a kid who was 18 years old who got signed to a yearly contract uh, based off of uh, how he did in the ranked levels of just playing the game. And he was so good that they signed him to a year contract. It was pretty cool. What a crazy All world right, we live in. Another sports question. I know, right? That you can get paid uh, paid for that. Yeah, and it's a pretty good league minimum. I think it's about $54,000 to play one year of Call of Duty professionally. My parents told me that my video games playing would never amount to anything. <laughs> they were right. Didn't practice yeah, yours hard did. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> Just got practice more. All right, question number three is kind of in the world of sports uh, adjacent a little bit. Super Bowl 57 saw the Kansas City Chiefs edge out the Philadelphia Eagles 38-35. The game had many memorable moments, including Rihanna's halftime show. But before the game even began, it was announced that it would contain two notable firsts. You could say one was similar to the story of the first farmer and first shepherd mentioned in the Bible, and the other significance surely wasn't lost on Doug Williams or Russell Wilson. Five points each if you can name the firsts. Um, yeah, I think that I'm pretty sure I'm both of these, so we are going to lock in with a hearty let's ride. Okay. I think um, one of them was the largest comeback. Is that possible? Well, he said they mentioned it before the game started. Oh, yeah. So what about the youngest QB? Wasn't the one QB super young? Yeah. So we'll see youngest QB okay. and the one associated with the Bible. I really have no idea he had whatsoever. Sacrifice his own son. Yeah, maybe that. <laughs> before the game, yes. <laughs> uh, let's just Let's just go with the single answer and try to get five points. Cool. All right. And uh, Matt, uh, what did you and Megan have? Um, I believe Russell Wilson and Doug Williams were both uh, black quarterbacks who started in the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes were both black quarterbacks. It's the first time they were both starting and facing each other. And then the other one, I believe, is based off of, uh, I don't know if it's Cain and Abel, whatever thing you were looking for, but their brothers, Travis and not Travis, playing against each other, (laughs) the Kelsey brothers. Uh, and you will be getting uh, full points. So it's the first Super Bowl where two brothers played against each other, Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey, and also the first Super Bowl with two black starting quarterbacks. I was going to say the first Super Bowl with an Abel, but uh, we already saw Abel last year doing the halftime show, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Very good. Very good reference there, Ken. 
Question number four is also going to be a little bit uh, in Megan's wheelhouse. She reached out and said that she might know a little bit about some of this stuff. So let's see if this helps. Forget posh, baby, sporty, ginger, or scary. The biggest star in the spice world is what potent licorice tasting spice common in Asian and Indian cuisine or that mold wine that will keep you warm during the cold winter months. So what is the name of that in. spice? <laughs> Confident lock in over here. <laughs> There's quite a few that uh, taste like licorice, but I think uh, the specific one is anise. 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 Anise, I believe. Please I don't have to say on. it. I don't have to say it very frequently. <laughs> so, but there's a couple that uh, that taste like licorice, but we're gonna go with that one. Yeah, and, and anise, anise is the answer. Fennel is a plant that tastes like licorice, but anise is the, mm. the spice. And the correct answer is star anise. That's right. All right. And uh, you guys are on a roll. Uh, number five. So a little background here. It's going to be listener submitted question number one. I went to our wonderful Discord channel uh, of almost 500 croppers and told them that the first four words submitted would inspire a question. So thank you to NMG1982, Quakes Lab, that Rodney guy, and What's Her Face 6 for this pairing. In 2020... The Criterion Collection released a 4K restoration of David Cronenberg's ostentatious 1996 thriller Crash, a film that developed a new definition for the term autoerotic. <laughs> what 2021 French film, whose director Julie de Cornau became the first solo filmmaker to win the Palme d'Or at Cannes, was surely inspired by Cronenberg as it featured a character being impregnated by a car. For what it's worth, at least it was a Cadillac and not a Toyota Yaris. Yeah, I saw this in the theater, so... <laughs> I kept wanting to see it, but I just never went. You should have told me. We could have gone together. Like I was already else. with friends, Jeff. I have other friends. And thanks okay. to well, thanks to the Discord, <laughs> so nice my, my clues were autoerotic for Yaris. And I don't actually even remember the other one. But yes, I was trying to fit all of those into one question. That's very Discord for you. Um, I, I don't know what we're looking for. Looking for a French film? This I have is... a joke answer. Yeah. What's your joke oh, answer? Are you guys locked in? Yeah, they're locked in. Okay. The Shape of Water because of weird... Oh, yeah. Human, non-human intersections. I found a, on, on this day memory of Facebook where I made a comment about the, the fish person's uh, member. I remember <laughs> <laughs> a, big, a big thing. Uh, it was a big thing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I cannot confirm nor deny that for I've not seen this. But you can I think... buy that big thing at different stores now. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, the answer is yeah. to Tom. So it's not my mother, the car. Or... <laughs> that's also that's also an option. Up to you. I really, yeah. I really, truly no, don't know. This, we don't know. This poor woman basically uh, is pregnant with like Optimus Prime. But uh, yeah, to Tom. Tatan is correct. Yep. French film where character gets impregnated by a car. All right. So that puts us through five questions, and it's a pretty close game so far. Uh, Ken and I over here at uh, Clemente's Downward Dog have a slight lead at 40 uh, to 30 uh, for uh, the Roberto Clemente Bridge. And speaking of Clemente, would that be your favorite baseball player, I guess, Megan? I know you're from Pittsburgh. Yeah, it was my mom's, and so sort of I inherited it. <laughs> That's a, a great player to, to have as a favorite. So And very flexible. <laughs> very, very flexible. You're right. All right. Well, uh, question number six. Sharing a name with a 1977 comedy horror film directed by Nobuhiko Abayashi, what type of music, known for its repetitive four-on-the-floor beat, 
was pioneered by people like Frankie Knuckles and Chicago's underground club culture, and was recently adopted by Beyonce, who sampled the song in this style for her recent hit, Break My Soul. Just Jeff was laughing at me because I started writing after the, the director's name was read. <laughs> <laughs> so we're locked in. So, oh boy. Well, <laughs> music, this is usually not my, my wheelhouse very much. So um, do you have any ideas to start with? Um, the only things that I can think are something like um, like break beats or break dancing or b-boys. Um, yeah. You know, like four four common time wasn't invented in the eighties. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. They they don't own own that, I imagine. No, um, I don't think they were able to quite copyright that. Yeah, I do know that Beyonce's newest album was nominated in the dance category. So it would be like a house or a dance mm. style. Um breakbeat is something that sounds familiarish. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if that's it. Um, so breakbeat or drill beat. Let's do breakbeat. Okay, we're locked in. I did hear you say the name. It's house. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, the answer is house. House music. Yep, that's right. If you haven't seen the movie House, it's so good. Okay, you it's give stupid. Me a Hugh Laurie clue. It's Thank insane. you. Thank you. I was gonna give a Hugh Laurie clue, but I thought maybe that would be too easy. A Viking um, popping Lupus. doctor. I got that <laughs> one. And I knew. Matt is so big into Chicago's underground club culture. I thought he would get oh, that, that question right. <laughs> and you should have been singing uh, Cotton Candy, Sweetie, Go, Let Me See the Tootsie Roll, as we all know. Mm, so. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. We've all done the Tootsie Roll. Let's admit Except it here. Matt, okay. apparently. Let's admit it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I did once attempt a stanky leg, but I, that didn't go one, well either. Just one stanky leg. <laughs> Every time I bend over, Jeff just says, whoop, there it is. So, yeah. like, All right, let's 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 throw on some Casey and JoJo and slow it down here for the next question. Yeah. All right. Uh, number seven uh, is uh, sort of a sports adjacent question again, uh, hopefully, you know, hoping that Matt will get a little uh, handout here. Welcome to Wrexham is a sports docuseries that follows the journey of Wrexham Association Football Club and its journey to find promotion in the National League through the lens of its new high-profile owners, actors Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. The team resides in Wales, and due to that fact, it fittingly shares a nickname with what colorful heraldic symbol that appears on the national flag of Wales? I have not seen the show. Um, I, I, I was really hoping that the question would be about Ryan Reynolds. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I knew that, that fact. Um, but are you familiar with the Wales flag? No, but a colorful heraldic symbol, like um, eagles, gold eagles. I mean, do they have golden eagles and like a well, red hawk? Or based something? on based they on the, the Mordor, clips but... I've seen, I believe their their unis are red. They okay. have, so I think it's a red animal. If it's maybe lions, if it's a lot of English Premier League stuff, or lions, or dragons, or tigers or but maybe like red lions are there dragons on the welsh flag is there i don't know let's go with red <laughs> dragons i mean there's a, a weird sort of tie in there but let's try it it sounds cool it so does. let's hope that they're the, they're the red dragons there is in fact and one I'm, I'm i'm surprisingly a big fan of this show and uh yeah we're gonna say red dragons 
Yep. Yeah, I've been following the the team, the club, since I watched the documentary, and it is the Red Dragons. That's right. Nice pull, Matt. That was great. We were really close to Red Lions there. <laughs> not, not the Red Lions. Matt almost threw you uh, off the deep end again. With, not, not Tootsie Roll, but now with Red Lions. But Bad teammate. Bring out red herrings and red lions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, all right. So the next question, uh, number eight. A comedic biographical film was released by Roku in 2022 following the meteoric rise to fame of what popular artist with demented origins who, after the film was released, admitted that the on-screen toward love affair between his doppelganger and singer Madonna was fully fabricated for the film as he only met the singer in 1985 once for about 45 seconds. We are locked in. <laughs> with authority. Uh, Megan, how familiar are you with uh, Roku's document? Do- it's weird out. Documentaries. Yeah, it's 100% weird out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I believe this is uh, Daniel Radcliffe, right? Didn't he play yeah. Weird Al? Yeah. We're locked in. Weird Al. That's my Bologna. <laughs> uh, yeah, we said Weird Al. Yeah, great performance. Funny film. Yeah, Weird Al Yankovic. That's right. Shout out to my dear friend, Zach Funk, who is a comedian. And when we do karaoke, he always does Weird Al for me. So I've, I've known oh, of Weird Al's awesome. background for years. So. And do you have a favorite Weird Al song? He does the alternative polka. And so that's my favorite Weird Al song because he manages to keep time. And yeah, (laughs) so alternative polka. Number nine, his prolific career includes best-selling novels and highly successful TV and film adaptations that almost seem to come out yearly. But when looking at Stephen King's large body of work, one story reigns supreme when it comes to being his most adapted work when counting adaptations, sequels, and other derivative work. Can you name it? All right, we're not super sure, so we're going to take a stab, so to speak. Mm-hmm. This is horror. You get it? Yeah. Uh, and no. uh, we're locked in. Okay. So. I have a thought. Um, you have a thought. Let's start with that. Dead zone. Dead zone. Because of the uh, the, the long-running TV show. TV show. And then I believe it was rebooted possibly at one point. But if we're talking mm-hmm. about derivative works, um, I don't know if there's like... I don't. I don't know if we're including fanfic in <laughs> derivative right. works. So, yeah, because um, like, there's been several remakes of Carrie, mm-hmm. uh, and I think there's sequels with Carrie, which is why I was thinking potentially that as an answer. Um, I don't know about Dark know. Tower. Like, I know they just remade it. Um, yeah, and that's just one series, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like what you said about. Um, the dark zone, dead zone, or what, that's dead zone. Yeah, I like, I like, I like even better what you said about the dead zone. officially locks in with dark zone. <laughs> All right, um, so you guys are going dead zone. We're, I think, I think we're we're good in, over here in the dead zone. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we don't. We're not sure. Um, we're just gonna say The Shining because I know there was a couple movie adaptations and Doctor Sleep might be Ooh. it though. Um, but we're gonna go with The Shining. Both good guesses. So Dead Zone, you have the uh, Anthony Michael Hall TV series, which I used to love watching, and then the Christopher Walken movie, and Shining, obviously, the, the Jack Nicholson one, and then the Stephen Weber TV series. And The Shinning, of course. And The Shinning, <laughs> uh, which really? is all about yeah. shin splints and how yeah. horrible they are. The Simpsons. Uh, oh, was it? Well, that's fine. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, the clue that I actually took out of the question right before I read it was uh, this work uh, takes place primarily in Nebraska. Any changes? Children of the Corn? Children of the Corn. Oh, really? oh, I didn't know that was. So there's King. about there's nearly twelve Children of the Corn 
movies. Oh, are there? Uh, and uh, it was originally based on a, a short story um, that he wrote, and then there was a short film that was adapted from it, and then after that, um, the original film uh, from 1984 and so on. So the new well, I knew that was him, but I had terrible, no idea there were that many uh, that many adaptations. Yeah, there's a lot, uh, and they, they keep making them too. So they just had one recently in 2020. All right, our final question of the first round. St. Paul's Cathedral survived the Blitz during World War II, was the site of Princess Diana's wedding, and in 1964 welcomed what famous activists from across the pond on their way to Oslo to receive the Nobel Peace Prize to speak to a congregation of over 3,000 people where they recited a sermon called The Three Dimensions to a Complete Life. All right, we have a guess on this one. Not too sure, though. Hmm. So they're not very sure. Just a guess over there. Do, are we very sure? No. Do you have any ideas? No. I, I'm interested. I feel like if you start talking, it'll spark something. Because I have a couple of thoughts in my brain, but I don't quite think any of them are there. I think I'm dancing around it. Yeah. So it's early to mid-60s. Um, so we're looking at potentially... The first thing I thought of was Martin Luther King, um, because that is roughly the the height of you know, his influence in that area. Um, and I know he did win one. Um, and I don't think it would, you know, it's not obviously going to be after that period of time. Right. Um, so it's, you know, and then um, I can't think of anyone else that I know of that won in the 60s. <laughs> so. Yeah. And no, I'm, I'm showing my ignorance here, but I thought he had been shot by 64 um that and that's that's possible but i truly do you know what let's let's look in with it because we could talk about it for three days and i'm not sure i'm gonna get a better <laughs> number the same answer yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think neil okay. did say sermon right i did say sermon yeah, yeah that's a great guess because uh martin luther king was assassinated i believe in 68 68 is correct thank you um yeah and uh i i guess i didn't realize he had won a nobel peace prize uh so if that's the case i think their answer is the right one mm -hmm. We just locked in Henry Kissinger. We Some, didn't know. Someone that history has not remembered <laughs> quite as fondly. <laughs> well, uh, at the age of 35, Martin Luther King Jr. was the youngest man to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. Mm. And uh, when he was notified, he took the prize money of $54,123 and sent it to the furtherance of the civil rights movement. So, yes, points to Matt and Megan. Awesome. All right. So after the first round uh, was uh, wrapped up here, scores are very tight. Uh, we still have a lead, Ken. Uh, Much but like it, Clemente's hamstrings. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, it's only a 10-point lead, 70 to 60 over the Clemente Bridges. I don't know why I added an S there. Clemente Bridges. <laughs> Good way to say that. Well, before we get to the swing round, I uh, just wanted to thank uh, Megan one more time for joining us on Patreon. Uh, you can join her over there to help support the show, get uh, some uh, main feed uh, episodes ad-free, all of our newest releases, and uh, get a bunch of other great perks as well. But, uh, Megan, we just really appreciate you joining uh, the Patreon. We're hoping you're enjoying all the crop drops and uh, Patreon bonuses. Yeah, I absolutely love being a Patreon supporter. It's so much fun to be part of a group of people that help facilitate you guys continuing to do what you do. Um, it's an opportunity for me to say thank you. Um, every month for a couple of dollars a month um, and in a small way pay back all the the joy that you guys have brought to my life so uh, thank you well, oh. thank you so much and uh, as we said you can avoid the ads by being on Patreon but you can't avoid this we do have a survey that we want you to fill out yeah, we do have a survey. Uh, as you know, we've joined uh, Airwave Media. It's our new network. And um, 
basically, you know, before we we get right back to the game, we just want to tell you that uh, there's a survey going out, as Ken said, for the next two months, and it's going to help us get to know you and your interests and basically what you think of the show and, and how to help us. Please support us by taking that at surveymonkey.com slash r slash airwave. Just very short, few minutes long. Your feedback will help us improve our show and find new sponsors that interest you, the listener. And also, you can tell us anything you want at the end. As our way of saying thank you, you'll be entered to win a $500 Amazon gift card. Again, that's surveymonkey.com slash r slash airwave, or click the link in the show notes after you listen to today's episode. All right. So for today's swing round, uh, we're going to be talking about the world of automobiles, uh, more specifically, the model names of cars that reference or are named after places or locations. So I'm going to give you a short sentence about the car along with the make to help you out. And all you need to do is give me the model name. So example, if I said Chevy uh, produ- uh, produced 1994 to present, the largest freshwater lake in the Sierra Nevada, once home to Frank Sinatra and other celebrities, the answer would Tahoe. be Tahoe. Correct. Chevrolet Tahoe. So that's how it's going to work. Uh, and I'll go down, uh, go down the list here. And uh, yeah, let's see how you do. Here we go with number one, Chevy, 1950 to 1981. Wealthy residential neighborhood of Los Angeles, once home to Judge Philip Banks. Number two, Subaru, 2006 to 2014. Capable of driving in any neighborhood, not just the triangle below Canal Street in New York City right next to De Niro. Number three, Pontiac, 1962 to 1981. Don't be tempted to spend 24 hours of endurance driving in this entry-level compact. Number four, Ford, 1968 to 1976. Whether you're a duo busting bad guys or telling people to get off your lawn, this model will always be inspired by Northern Italy. Number five, Chrysler, various periods between 1940 and 1981. The perfect Rhode Island ride to smoke menthol cigarettes with Paul Rudd's character on Parks and Recreation. Number six, GMC, 1999 to present. Landmass formally named after the 25th president until a change in 2015. Number seven, Pontiac, 1950 to 1981. Island off the coast of California, once home to Chicago Cubs spring training and tragic resting place of screen star Natalie Wood. Number eight, Hyundai, 2006 to 2015. City that was the site of the pastry war translates to True Cross and was founded by Cortez in 1519. Number nine, Cadillac, 1975 to 2004. Rossini opera about a coiffure named Figaro, or the capital city of the Spanish autonomous community of Andalusia. And number 10, Subaru, 1994 to present. Where you might find things like the Red Center, Aluru, or Ayers Rock, Goss's Bluff, or for about $10, a Bloomin' Onion. So stupid. I appreciate it, though. And with that, we will consider these uh, car models, and we'll be right back. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or call the police. Or call the police, I <laughs> should have, exactly. 
quickly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then from beneath the Hollywood sign is the gin joint for you. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, the competitors have locked in their answers for the swing round. I'm just going to go through them uh, briefly one more time. So number one, I said it was a Chevy, and I asked uh, what Chevy is a wealthy residential neighborhood of Los Angeles, once home to Judge Philip Banks. My uncle actually owned a 57 one of these when he lived in California. It was a turquoise and white cream one. Uh, we said Bel Air. Nice car. Um, yes, also picking up on the Fresh Prince uh, clue there, we said Bel Air. Oh, Uncle Phil. That's right. <laughs> Chevrolet Bel Air. That's correct. Number two was a Subaru, capable of driving in any neighborhood, not just the triangle below Canal Street in New York City. Yeah, I remember the Subaru had a model called the Tribeca. And we also said Tribeca, that's where Tribeca gets its name. That's correct. Yep. And uh, De Niro was a little clue there. That's where he lives. And I said uh, right next to De Niro, which is the lyric uh, from Empire State of Mind by Jay-Z. Number three. How uh, dare you cut her out? (laughs) uh, Number three, Pontiac. Uh, Don't be tempted to spend 24 hours of endurance driving in this entry-level compact. I believe the 24-hour of Le Mans is one of the most famous races, and I think that was also a Pontiac model. So we said Le Mans. Uh, We had no idea. We thought that 24 hours is a long time. Sounds like a marathon. So we said marathon. Good guess, but uh, Jeff and Ken are correct. Pontiac Le Mans. Number four, Ford. Whether you're a duo uh, busting bad guys, telling people to get off your lawn. But uh, anyway, the model is inspired by Northern Italy. Which one is it? Ken knew this one right away. I don't know if you wanted to provide the answer in a gruff Said, voice. Uh, Gran Torino. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Matt also knew this one right away, and we also said Gran Torino. That's correct. I almost had a, a little note in there about singing Gran Torino in a raspy old voice, but uh, yeah, the Ford Torino. <laughs> and your other clue there, so it was Gran Torino with Clint Eastwood and then uh, Starsky and Hutch. That was their car. All right, number five, Chrysler. Uh, basically the perfect Rhode Island ride to smoke menthol cigarettes with Paul Rudd's character on Parks and Rec. Yeah, uh, this is an older, more obscure model, which I think is why Neil put all of the clues in there. And we said the Newport. 
Yeah, I was racking my brain trying to think of Paul Rudd's character and didn't even realize the menthol cigarette clue is right there. And it's uh, we locked it with Newport. Chrysler Newport, correct. Number six, GMC. And uh, just to be clear, this one is a trim model uh, for many different GMC uh, vehicles, but uh, I just liked it so much I put it in here. Landmass formerly named after the 25th president until a change in 2015. Yep. Uh, apologies for I'm actually Neil off air. Uh, this is the Denali. Oh, I was well aware. I just did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and this was one of the few we I got from the first time, the first read through, uh, also Denali. GMC Denali is correct. It sounds a lot better than GMC McKinley. All right. Uh, number seven, Pontiac uh, Island off the coast of California, once home to the Cubs spring training and tragic resting place of screen star Natalie Wood. Also fictional home of a pretty awesome wine mixer. We said Catalina. Oh, there it is. Uh, Yeah, I don't know why the Cubs would have been playing in these prison cells, but we said Alcatraz. (laughs) (laughs) It was the only island we could think of. Well, up up until about 2016, I think all the fans felt like they were in a prison cell. But yes, (laughs) uh, as Pontiac Catalina. Uh, Number eight, Hyundai. A city that was the site of the pastry war translates to True Cross and was founded by Cortez in 1519. We believe this is the Santa Cruz. Oh, there it is. Yeah, so that makes total sense. We went with Las Cruces just because that's a town here in New Mexico, and Cruces means cross. So that was the closest we could get to. <laughs> uh, so no points, unfortunately. So the pastry war uh, was sort of the uh, the French war in Mexico there with the, the Cortez. Uh, but True Cross, uh, if you think of truth, um, it's Veracruz. Hyundai Veracruz. That makes so much sense. Uh, I said Verdad and Cruces and didn't put it together. <laughs> uh, but at least the, the hints were working, so I think you were on the right track. You guys just didn't have the right answers there. Uh, number nine, Cadillac. Uh, Rossini Opera about a coiffure named Figaro uh, or the capital city of the Spanish autonomous community of Andalusia. Uh, I believe a coiffure is a barber, right, Ken? Uh, so maybe they hail from Seville. Oh, that's good. We said Bonneville. Bonneville is a good guess, but it is the Barber of Seville, Cadillac Seville. And my favorite one, uh, Subaru, where you might find things like the Red Center, Aluru, or Ayers Ayers Rock, Goss's Bluff, or for about $10, a Bloomin' Onion. Yeah, we said the Outback. (laughs) (laughs) We also said Outback. Subaru Outback is correct. All right, and after the swing round, both teams picking up a healthy amount of points there, adding 30 to their score to go to 90 is the Clemente Bridge. And uh, continuing to uh, bump up their lead just a little bit, uh, bringing their score from 70 to 115, the Clemente Downward Dogs. All right, uh, beginning of round two, let's start with question one. When it comes to state birds, many of you probably know that the northern cardinal is the most common in seven states, including where we are recording right now. Second is the Western Meadowlark with six. But can you name the bird that's in third place with five states? Hint, one famous literary Alabamian said of this bird, they don't eat up people's gardens, don't nest in corn cribs, they don't do one thing but sing their hearts out for us. We can lock in. Clemente Bridge in right away. So birds, songbirds specifically, think of uh, canaries. Okay. So a uh, mockingbird? Mockingbird? Mockingbirds make fun of you, though, right? I don't know. <laughs> It'll make fun um, of me. I don't know what kind of birds you're talking to. Could be a mockingbird. Yeah. Is that Taking into account the quote, I think it could be from To Kill a Mockingbird. Right. So I think we should go with it. 
That's what I thought it sounded like. Good, good call. For better or worse. <laughs> we also locked in with Mockingbird. So his description is why it's a sin to kill a Mockingbird. So that whole quote is, it's a sin to kill a Mockingbird because, and then the rest of everything he just said. Mm-hmm. Megan nailed it. It is the Northern Mockingbird. And that was a quote from Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, all right, number two in round two. Following the success of Glass Onion, the sequel to Knives Out, Ryan Johnson was courted by Peacock to create a mystery series very much in the vein of Columbo, starring the raspy-voiced antics of Natasha Lyonne as a human lie detector in what series? The title could be defined as an impassive expression that hides one's true feelings that little monsters love to dance to. We're we locked in. Locked. We're locked. I, do you know the answer? Is it a Lady Gaga song? It is. Excellent. You say Lady it. Gaga. <laughs> Lady Gaga. <laughs> it's poker Telephone? Face. It's uh. telephone. You're right. <laughs> You're right, Jeff. We said poker face as well. Is it any good, Neil? Uh, I do enjoy poker face quite a bit. Yes. Maybe I'll watch that one. What's nice about poker face is every episode has a, a, a completely different cast other than Natasha Leone. And uh, there's a lot of big stars um, like Nick Nolte and, and other uh, Ellen Bark and Tim Meadows, just a bunch of different people that you're happy to see. So I like she when solves you said- a mystery each each week. Each week she solves a mystery, but it is in the vein of Columbo where it's a how catch him. So you know who does it within the first 10 minutes is how she figures it out. Mm. Yeah. I like how your big stars are Nick Nolte and Ellen Barkin. <laughs> well, there's more. This is the ones I just saw. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt, if okay. you will. Adrian Brody, Brody if you will. How did you know it was me? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it sounded like. Who are you? Why are you on my doorstep? Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I could only hear the killer's voice from behind a curtain. Well, it wasn't me. <laughs> Uh, all of you standing in line, please say this phrase. Oh, there's no way they're going to figure me out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number three in round two. What document approved in a historic meeting near the water meadow of Runnymede in 1215 has only four surviving copies? Two reside in the largest library in the world, one at Salisbury Cathedral and one at Lincoln Castle, though no one is sure which copy seemingly inspired rapper Jay-Z for his 12th studio album. Yep. More locked in. Oh, uh, not blueprint because there's seven of those, or how many? Right. There's a ton of them. I think I think he has an album called Magna Carta. Oh, and... you're totally right. You're absolutely right. That's it. That's it. That's, That's the one. Locked yeah. in. <laughs> okay. Wow. I, I mean, I was looking for the Treaty of Hard Knock Life, but uh, <laughs> I think you're right. I think it was uh, the Magna Carta. That's what we said. Points all around. It was the Magna Carta. Good pull, Matt. Thank you. I like uh, when you hear the answer. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Everyone, stop talking. I don't wanna... <laughs> Everybody, shut up. <laughs> okay, on to question four in the second round. The myth of Oedipus, who unwittingly kills his father and marries his mother before a must-see ending, uh, became the basis of Sigmund Freud's Oedipus complex theory. But do you know the name of the female equivalent to the Oedipal complex that Carl Jung proposed about 14 years later? And before you ask, no, Jennifer Garner wasn't in the movie about it. I like seeing Matt's just frustrated chuckles. Oh, we're oh. locked in. Sorry, I the thought alias. you were giving me the "it's okay for me to lock in" look. Sorry. No, I, I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have added anything except various <laughs> thirteen going on thirty references. So I, I have nothing to help here. Oh, how about um, Electra? Oh, I like that. I, yeah, I don't know too many Jennifer Garner joints. Yeah, I don't think it's alias. That means something else. Right, let's say Electra. We also say Electra. 
And Clemency Bridge also says Electra. Points all around is the Electra Complex. Mm. All right. Uh, the second listener submitted question of the game, uh, as I did before, uh, I'm going to go to the Discord. And I got four more words, uh, thanks to Nab's Make Way for Willie, Liquid Courage, and uh, Keith Moser. Hopefully it produce another body horror question. <laughs> I wish it would have, but it is not. Um, for the record, after I was talking to our friend Jay Borsom, she thought I was writing a question per word that was given to me, which seems a lot easier, but I mistakenly decided to include all four words in one clue uh, next time I'll learn. But thank you, Jay, for uh, at least warning me. Here is your question, listener submitted number two. We'd all like a window into the mind of Shakespeare, whether we laugh at his comedies or clutch the Kleenex box for his tragedies. Actors who have to perform the role of Costard are in quite a pickle as they have to recite the longest word in Shakespeare, honorifica bilitudinitatibus. The word appears in the alliteratively named comedy that, despite its title, does not involve a dispute with the conservative party over anti-disestablishmentarianism. What is the name of this alliteratively named comedy? All right, we're going to lock in here. What are your All thoughts? All right. My thoughts are, I wish I knew more Shakespeare. Uh, <laughs> this is this is the comedies of Shakespeare, which usually don't get as much love, I imagine. Um, the only one, so like, there's Taming of the Shrew, Twelfth Night, All's Well. None of those have alliteration. Um, there's Merry Wives of Windsor that has some alliteration, Wives and Windsor. Is that it? <laughs> I don't know. Answer? If we can't think of something else, that might be the way to go. Because everything yeah. else I've written down, but that doesn't have anything to do with anti-disestablishmentarianism. I, I don't think anything has to do with that. <laughs> I'm not going to say all out on a podcast. Well, are there, I mean. My, like I said, um, I think I've expelled all of the <laughs> comedy from my brain <laughs> that, I, that I have. Mostly just the ones that um, 90s teen movies were based right? on. If, <laughs> if it wasn't, then I got nothing there. Um, um, can we go with Merry Wives of Windsor just because there's at least two letters that match each other? We're, we're partially correct in the sense that it does fit the category. So we're locking in with Merry Wives of Windsor. Yes, after I was done explaining to Jeff what alliteration was, because he wasn't sure. Um, <laughs> he's staring me down right now, like I'm lying, <laughs> but I'm not. Uh, I said Mary Wives of Windsor had some, some W sounds, so that's what we're going with. All right, unfortunately, no points uh, going around, uh, but it, I did give a clue in here. I'm not sure if, if anyone picked up on it, but I said that uh, this play does not involve a dispute with the conservative party over anti-disestablishmentarianism. Oh, love's labor's lost. And it was because the Labor Party would be arguing with them. So love's labor's lost is the correct answer. Okay, uh, number uh, six in the second round. Sid Finch, a pitcher with a 168-mile-an-hour fastball that learned yoga in Tibet, wore one hiking boot while pitching, and was deciding between a career in baseball or playing the French horn, was chronicled in an article titled The Curious Case of Sid Finch, by George Plimpton as an April Fool's joke for what publication that began in 1954? Ooh, okay. Um, this is also somewhat sports adjacent. Um, <laughs> do you, I, I have you, are you familiar with Sid Finch? Have you heard this story before? No, Plimpton rings something way in the back of my brain, but I don't. Yeah, he, I believe, me off. Go ahead. I believe he's a pretty prolific um, baseball writer, and I believe this is probably sports illustrated i think that started around that time so i'm if good, you're with, good with that yep yeah we can we can lock in with sports illustrated uh we thought this might 
be uh, some of the quality journalism that you could find in Playboy magazine uh, in its earlier days. So we said Playboy. Great guess of Playboy, but it is Sports Illustrated. Points to Clemente Bridge. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to read this this article, uh, it's really funny. Curious case of Sid Finch. It's pretty ridiculous, but they even have pictures and other things uh, trying to make it look real. So definitely <laughs> check it out. Since I'm not uh, keeping score uh, like somewhat normal, um, I had no idea that we already asked question six. So Jeff, too uh, what's much the score? Fun. I know we were enjoying ourselves too much, although it didn't really matter much because the scores didn't change at all. Uh, but uh, with five out of those six correct. Um, the team of Roberto Clemente's bridge draws just a little bit closer at 140. Uh, Ken, we're slipping a little bit. We've only got 155. Okay. All right. It's getting close. Number seven in round two. Business partners Barry Betcher and Edward Valenti became millionaires in the 1980s with what product that was made in Ohio, sold with a pseudo-Japanese name, and used the power of infomercials to sell the idea that it was a cut above the rest? It received viral notoriety in 1993 when husband and wife, Lorena and John, unwittingly became influencers for the brand. Can I feel like, oh no, uh, <coughs> I feel like that might be a dark hint, but I'm guessing um, this is the Ron Popeil promoted Ginsu knife. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I, was that like the one where he was like cutting through cans or something? <laughs> like, I just feel like there was some ridiculous promotion for that one. I think that sounds right. And it's I'm pretty sure it's pseudo-Japanese. Is that so. the woman who uh, cut her husband in a profound way? Uh, could be. That's it. That is what I'm talking about. Lorena and John Bobbitt. That is right. Um, so what's your official answer over here, uh, Ken and Jeff? Ginsu. Ginsu. And Ginsu. what's your answer, uh, Megan? So, Matt, we should have talked about this because their answer is right, and the answer we locked in with was Cutco which is wrong. Ah, and I'm sorry. We, we should have talked about it. <laughs> I apologize. Sometimes you lock in too soon. Uh, well, the correct answer I was looking for was the Gensu knife. That is correct. All right, number eight of the second round. Knoxville, Tennessee was home to the 1982 World's Fair and featured a giant Rubik's Cube that stood outside the pavilion of what landlocked Central European country? Creator Erno Rubik, Harry Houdini, and Jaja Gabor were all born here. All right, they're locked in. Um, my initial thought was Sweden, and I don't have anything that makes me think otherwise. Right. <laughs> do, you, do you have any other ideas or anything? Probably nothing that I don't. Jasha Gabor doesn't sound Swedish, but yeah, nothing that jumps out because she's not Swiss. And yeah, yeah, I'm I'm right. good with Sweden. We're gonna lock in with Sweden. So Sweden is landlocked if you count water. Um, Damn it. <laughs> and I do. <laughs> uh, Go ahead, take it. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, that uh, Harry Houdini uh, was Hungarian and uh, so and kind of agreed. So we said Hungary. So Houdini claimed to have been born in Appleton, Wisconsin. But as Jeff said, he was uh, Hungarian, born in Budapest. So uh, yeah, the answer is Hungary. Your passport should be stamped with like a Rubik's Cube when you leave Hungary, just, you know, to honor the, the man. All right, number nine in the second round. In 1938, an aerodynamic masterpiece designed by Sir Nigel Gressley set a steam locomotive speed record that has never been surpassed by racing down Stoke Bank in England at 126 miles per hour. The Class A4 locomotive had what seven-letter name that would be put in shared company with people like Justin Herbert, Steve Prefontaine, and a detective named Howard. We're we're locked in. I trust Matt's All right, Matt's they're locked in. <laughs> I heard the name uh, 
a detective named Howard, you say? That's right. The duck? Uh, is this Howard the duck? I don't know. I don't remember if he solves a mystery in that. Maybe he does. <laughs> I remember he's in a Howard. rock concert and there's a plane scene. So what is the... So the locomotive would be named the duck? I, I don't know. How how would Justin Herbert be a, the duck? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know who that is. He's a sports person. Maybe that's Football, his I think. I don't even remember. We're going to say the duck. Maybe he went to that, uh, that college with the duck. Ah, Oregon. Yeah. We're going to say the duck. All right, and other team? Justin Herbert from Oregon, the duck. Howard yeah. also a duck. <laughs> the duck. Uh, unless, unless it is Charger, which is also seven letters, but I we locked in with the duck. I didn't think that uh, your answers would be the duck. I mean, it, it makes sense. It's incorrect, but it makes sense. <laughs> it was Charger. Um, it was Howard, though. He, uh, you have Howard T. Duck uh, investigation, so he was a detective. Uh, Justin Herbert and Steve Prefontaine both went to Oregon. They were ducks. Uh, but the answer is actually Mallard. Oh. <laughs> Neil, I'm protesting. I'm going on a silent strike because it's the only thing that works on a podcast. Well, the train the train did have a giant Mallard sign on the side of it. If it said the duck, I, I'd give it to you. But uh, but yeah, it is Mallard. I didn't even think the duck was seven letters, but very clever on both teams' part. I mean, technically, it's a three and a four-letter word. but That's true. It is two words. I just said one word, yeah. Kind of silent protesting. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to number 10 in the second round. What name is shared by a short-lived grunge supergroup comprised of Mike McCready of Pearl Jam and the late Lane Staley of Alice in Chains, and they only produced one album, and also the second studio album of an Orlando-based rock band that yourself or someone like you might enjoy in the early hours of the morning? So what name is shared between those two? We don't have a good idea on this one, so we're just going to lock in with a guess. Yeah, um, grunge supergroups and Orlando-based rock bands. <laughs> um, do you know any grunge supergroups outside? No. I, so, Temple of the Dog is the most famous one, and that's the one um, they have the song "Hungry" or whatever it is. But it has yes, Eddie Hungry Vedder's Strike. <laughs> Hungry Strike. Yes, Eddie Vedder sings on it, but he's not in the group, I guess. I don't know how that worked. Um, I can't think of another one <laughs> and a second album from a rock group. I mean, it could be anybody. So, so you based on to the say clues, Temple I of the thought Dog. the we can say Temple of the Dog. Um, but I based on the clues, I thought the band was Matchbox Twenty, but I have no idea what their second oh. album is called. Well, their second album is Mad Season. I oh, believe. okay. And I don't know if that's the name of a band, but I do know that that. And it has that song 3 a.m. on it, I think, which would be that's something what made that me think do that, with. That's what made me think it was Matchbox 20. So if, if there's a band called Mad Season, we got there through a very weird way. <laughs> <laughs> and we're locking in with Mad Season. I'm pretty sure we, there we talked is a about, band called Mad Season. Because we, we talked about this on a, on a very recent episode, but I couldn't recall any of that information. I think you're right. We didn't say anything then. So Yourself or Someone Like You is actually the title of the debut album of Matchbox 20, and their second album is Mad Season. No wow. Nice That's pull, awesome. Matt. Great job. <laughs> we just did a whole bunch of Matchbox 20 on a previous episode. And uh, Pearl Jam. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and Pearl Jam, and that was a great team effort there. Uh, I was I was gonna say the original clue was um, you might enjoy at three a.m., but I changed it to earlier hours of the morning just to make it a little bit harder. But I, you you got it though, so great job. All right, and going into the final round, uh, both teams in good shape to wager all of their points if they so choose. Uh, the team of uh, Clementi Bridge has a score of one hundred and fifty points and narrowly in the lead with a score of one seventy five. Clementi's downward dog. Okay, let's go to the final round. Let me give you the categories and we can get your wagers. The final round categories are children's literature, inception or inspiration, hats off, fast food frenzy, and classic television. The wagers are locked in and we're pretty confident. Our get rate's been pretty good. So we're going to do 30s all the way down. And you guys are doing 30 on fast food and five on everything else. Or an Oakland five, I should say. So let's have the questions. All right. Question number one in children's literature. A person's a person, no matter how small, is the most famous line from what iconic children's story? Modern audiences may relate to its main character thanks to a comedy legend with an historic 1994 who provided the voice to the main character in a feature adaptation. Number two, inception or inspiration. What two-word Latin phrase, an artistic or symbolic trope acting as a reminder of the inevitability of death, and literally meaning remember, you must die, inspired a short story that eventually was adapted into the second feature film of director Christopher Nolan? Number three in Hats Off. Known by a wide variety of names such as the Basher, the Skimmer, and the Senate Hat, what straw hat style, with its nautically inspired name, has been worn by the likes of barbershop quartets, silent film star Harold Lloyd, the students of Brisbane Boys College, and since 1952 has been part of the uniform of the Princeton University Band. Number four in Fast Food Frenzy. Before he became famous, what fast food founder shot a business rival in 1930 over a heated dispute involving the signs to his shell station and eatery not too far from Daniel Boone National Forest? The future mogul-turned-mascot signs were being vandalized by a rival who would wind up in jail after his bullets killed one of the mogul's associates. And number five in classic television. After starring in such films as House of Wax and House on Haunted Hill, and before doing voiceover work for Michael Jackson's Thriller, Horror icon Vincent Price paid a visit to what classic TV show that, despite its longevity and cultural impact, lasted only five seasons? He played a crazed archaeologist who kidnaps a bunch of brothers on a family trip to Hawaii. All right, we have our questions for the final. Let's think about these as we take a break for messages. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got The Cure, three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? 
Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All the answers are now locked in. Let's go back to the questions and see how everyone did. First question was in children's literature. I'm looking for the name of the iconic children's story that features the line, a person's a person, no matter how small. Uh, this person we don't think is a person. We think it's a mouse, and we said Stuart Little. We were thinking of Stuart Little, or at least I was at first. Um, but Megan was pretty sure that it was something to do with Whoville or Who's, and then I think it's probably Horton Hears a Who. And uh, they picked up on the clue there. It is Horton Hears a Hue. Uh, <laughs> Horton Hears a Hue, a color. I think that's a little violet. Uh, a little violet, <laughs> yeah, a little indigo. Uh, but yeah, it was the comedy legend with the historic 1994 was Jim Carrey because he voiced mm. Horton in the movie. Okay, uh, number two, in Inception or Inspiration, I'm looking for the name of the two-word Latin phrase that literally means, remember, you must die, that uh, influenced the second feature film of Christopher Nolan. Yep, pretty sure um, you're talking about the film Memento, and uh, Ken and I both knew the phrase, Memento Mori. Yeah, and we said the same. Memento Mori is correct. Which I believe means, remember your Tuesdays. (laughs) (laughs) All right, number three in the category of hats off. I think this one gave uh, everyone a little bit of trouble. I'm looking for the the uh, name of the hat that was inspired uh, by uh, a nautical name and has other names such as the Basher, Skimmer, and Senate hat and is also the Princeton University band official uniform. Uh, we had no idea, so we just went with the yacht hat. So boater is our answer, um, like a straw boater. I don't actually know if that's, I don't know if, like, I know drill bees and things are real things that exist, but we locked in with boater. Megan, you are 100% correct. Yeah. It is the boater hat or straw <laughs> boater hat. Would you have, and, have, uh, yeah. have accepted straw boater? Uh, straw boater is also correct, yeah. Okay. I just said boater, yep. And then, um, yeah, the boater hat is derived from the Canatier straw hat worn traditionally by gondoliers in the city of Venice. For all you hat enthusiasts out there. <laughs> Good hat chat. Yeah. <laughs> we need it. Welcome back to Hat Chat. <laughs> Welcome back to Hat Chat. Uh, today we have a nice skimmer. Uh, okay. Uh, number four I'm was your in host Leonard Larue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number four is in uh, Fast Food Frenzy. Uh, I'm looking for uh, the uh, mas- mogul turned mascot who uh, had a shooting match basically with a rival by a Shell gas station. And just for the record, uh, he didn't kill anyone, uh, but he did shoot someone. And uh, that person was wounded, but the other person is the one who actually killed someone. So, uh, who are we looking at? I think uh, Colonel Sanders could have the intent to kill, though. So we said Colonel Sanders as opposed to Dave Thomas. Mm. We just like square patties. <laughs> we went the other way, and we said Dave Thomas. 
Uh, so I, not, I do not know of Dave Thomas ever brandishing a firearm. I was hoping it was going to be Ronald McDonald, but it was Colonel Sanders. Uh, and that was in uh, in Kentucky. So the, the clue there, hopefully for some people who live in Kentucky, Na- Daniel Boone National Forest is uh, right near where this happened. And right. now uh, we whitewash it by having Melissa McCarthy play him. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob Lowe. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, uh, final question. Uh, classic TV. I'm just looking for uh, the name of the TV series that Vincent Price cameoed on uh, when uh, it, uh, it existed in Hawaii, basically. The, the episode took place in Hawaii, and Vincent Price was there playing a crazy archaeologist. We sent the Brady Bunch. Um, yeah, we said, thinking that there was a bunch of boys, it's probably the Brady Bunch, so we said Brady Bunch. And you got the clue. It was the Brady Bunch. All right, so uh, recapping from uh, the, today's final, uh, unfortunately, the team of Clemente Bridge is losing 10 points overall. They're going to drop to 140 points. Despite outplaying us thoroughly. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they got way more right than we did in the final round. Uh, fortunately for us, though, uh, we bet okay, and we ended up okay in the end. Uh, we actually improved from 175 to 205 to become today's cream of the crop over here at Clemente Downward Dog. Great uh, performance by both teams. Well, you know, sometimes you get more questions right and lose. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of what happened, unfortunately, there. The the risk of wagering. I wanted to play it safe, so it's my own fault. It it almost always plays out not the way you intend. So. <laughs> uh, trust me, I know. I I hope uh, Megan, there was enough clues in there for you oh, throughout yeah, the game, though, absolutely. and you enjoyed them. Absolutely, I felt like I maybe knew a few things, and and that was much better than what I was worried about. So. Yeah, and you both game. played a uh, fantastic game. Uh, we'll say goodbye to you now, uh, but first, please uh, let us know any parting words that you'd like to impart to the listeners. Probably my biggest parting word is um, go get a mammogram, regardless of your gender or how you identify, go get a mammogram. Um, I had genetic testing done and discovered that I carried the BRCA gene and I had a preventative mastectomy before any of those pieces could have a negative impact on my life. And so if you've got the time, it should be free through your health insurance. And if it's not, call the number on the back of your card. Yeah. And we're sure that's no simple thing to go through that, but we're glad you're uh, happy and healthy and here with us today. Um, So once again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for your Patreon support. Um, And uh, before we sign off, we once again want to just remind everybody to take our quick survey at surveymonkey.com slash r slash airwave. And on that note, we'd also like to thank our current network, Airwave. Thank you. They have such great shows as Tumble, a science podcast for kids. Who did what now? Who did what now? And The Underworld. Not the Kate Beckinsale movie. No. That's just Underworld. Okay. And with that, uh, we will bid everybody adieu. Thank you again to Megan for Matt, Neil, Jeff, and myself. That was Triviality. Triviality.